Hello and welcome back to Hacker Slacker. I'm Jacob Petticord. And I'm Andre Garive. This week we have your usual dose of tech news, and then we also have a deep dive into some huge news in the podcast industry. So um, definitely be on the lookout for that, and we're going to get started. Um, first off, we have some news out of Uber. They're launching um, a new feature in their app, a feature that um, shows you public transit alongside your typical Uber ride options, and they're rolling this out in Denver. Um, I thought this was really uh, on brand for Uber, especially with their new mission of being the, the future of transit under Dazra Kajashari. Yeah, it really seems like a move that is fitting for their new um, vibe, I guess. Like, their whole mission now is to become uh, revolutionary in the industry of transportation, and public transit is a huge part of that. So, um, yep. launching in Denver, it makes sense. Um, it's not too big of a market, and... I'm interested to see if this will kind of roll out everywhere. Yeah, Uber, um, one of the things they were under criticism for was that when Uber comes to town, the use of public transit goes down because people are paying for Ubers more. So um, this could provide an additional PR boost there and kind of making people reutilize public transit, making it more convenient to use. Um, they're integrating with um, existing data sources to like pull in public transit information. But I think the idea is to get it more and more ingrained to the point where you can pay for your fare through the Uber app eventually, which could be a way for them to monetize this. Um, but as of right now, it's just kind of a public service almost and providing that information in the Uber app, kind of hoping you'll go there depending or like no matter which type of transit you'll use. Um, and then eventually um, a long term goal that they have is to make it so that public transit can be one of the legs of your trip. So like, let's say you're going all the way across town in New York. Well, you might take an Uber to the subway station, get on the subway and then take an Uber to your final destination. So it's like yeah. they can kind of connect all the different steps that you might take on a, a given trip, eventually including like electric scooters and that sort of thing too. Yeah. I mean, this would have been really useful for me back in California because essentially what I had to do is I had to take an Uber or a Lyft to the Caltrain station. <clears throat> I had to get a ticket get on the Caltrain, ride the Caltrain for like an hour up to San Francisco, and then I had to get an Uber from the Caltrain station in San Francisco to wherever it was going. So if Uber had made it a little easier for me, I absolutely would have booked it through there. Yeah. I think um, moves like this are what's going to make the bad press that we saw over the last couple of years for Uber stuff of the distant past, and hopefully uh, they'll be moving forward to kind of pursue this mission of being the future of all transportation, especially with their IPO that's rumored to be upcoming yes. in the next couple months. So um, stuff like this should be big moves towards that. And I'm kind of excited to see what the market thinks. Of Uber. Yeah, big moves by Uber before their IPO, uh, kind of forcing Lyft to do something because Lyft is supposed to IPO this year as well. And they haven't really done much compared to Uber in the last month or two. Yep, definitely uh, more excitement in the ride sharing space. Uh, next up here... We have something that uh, didn't come as too big of a surprise to me, is that Apple is removing the head of the Siri team. Um, basically, this was the last guy remaining around from the um, team that was originally came over when Siri was acquired. Do you remember when Siri was its own? I did not remember that. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, so this was kind of crazy. Um, I actually remember there was a Siri app on the App Store. Its icon was like a, a butler suit. And so the idea was that you could download the app and then it was kind of like your personal assistant in an app. And obviously, eventually, the app was acquired by uh, Apple and integrated into the OS um, and became what we have today, Siri. So they bought that team and that team, I guess, 
the co-founders had still been around until just this week when they were let go. But yeah. um, the I, one of the crazy things I always thought was for the first year or two after, and even I don't remember when, but um, after Siri got integrated into the iOS on, I think it was like the iPhone 4, I remember thinking, wow, like, I wish I could have that app back. Like the app Siri was so much better than the integrated Siri. Yeah. Integrated Siri has never really been good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've been making good comebacks and a lot of that has come from, um, the, uh, this guy who came over from, uh, Google, who was the former head of AI and search. Um, his first name is John and his last name is Gian Andrea. Um, and he is probably likely to take over this position as the head of Siri. Uh, he was promoted to the SVP level after being hired last year, kind of showing, uh, the company's confidence in him. Um, and so he has been making big moves at Apple. Obviously he's very well respected in like the AI world. So, um, I think he's been doing a good job at bringing some of Apple's AI, AI, yeah, AI stuff up to speed with Google. We've seen pretty big improvements with Siri. Um, but I think what will really be big is who's able to make these next steps past these first generations yeah. of assistance first, you know? And I, I mean, I think it's a lot more visible on the side of Amazon and Google with uh, Alexa and with um, Google Assistant because you see constant changes. Um, we've predicted this on the podcast before that we think Siri is going over or under a huge overhaul right now. I think a lot of this has been more visible on the sides of Amazon and Google but I would really am excited to see a new Siri that may work better. Yeah, Apple's not the type of company that's going to show you improvements as they're making them. They usually wait until something is completely finished and just drop it on you because they want you to be so amazed and delighted by like everything that they do. But um, the Siri stuff is definitely something that they've fallen behind on. So um, based on these hiring and personnel changes, they're definitely working on making major changes to the way that they do things. But we won't really know if it pays off uh, for the next few months or even years you know it takes a while for this stuff to pan out yeah so the next story we have um is that instagram is adding sensitivity screens they're calling them this is something that i'd never seen um in a social network before i think well maybe i've seen something like it let me describe it so um to mitigate the display of graphic images including self-harm um instagram is adding these privacy screens over pictures so that if some piece of content is deemed to be graphic in that way, um, it will be blurred and then you have to tap on it and say like, I would like to see this graphic content, I guess, to display it. And the goal of this is to mitigate the amount of teenagers seeing self-harm on Instagram because um, of a story where um, a British teenager took her own life, which was very sad. Um, and so as is the fallout of a lot of the stuff, they were saying she was able to find a lot of self-harm content very easily on Instagram using hashtags and that sort of thing. Um, and Instagram says that they take down these materials like as much as they can, but this sort of for first layer to probably have like some sort of AI just automatically hide everything that they think is graphic content by default is supposed to help mitigate some of that. And a lot of this is coming as a result of pressure from the British health secretary who said that it was way too easy for teenagers to find this sort of graphic content on Instagram. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are definitely features on like Twitter that you can disable still, but, um, 
where you can hide certain tweets that have been marked not safe for work. Yeah, I think or, I've seen that before where it's like, are, like, are you sure you'd like to view this picture or something mm-hmm. over it before you click it? Yeah, and I know Twitter, when especially in replies, it will kind of hide the more graphic replies under the little more replies button. So you in a popular, uh, a more popular thread or a more popular tweet that gets a lot of uh, replies, you can be, I don't know, shielded from the ones that may be a little bit more toxic. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a smart move, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's a very serious issue, and you don't want these social networks to be a sort of, like, okay, so obviously they have the echo chamber effects, but you don't want, like, the places where that echo chamber effect is the most harmful is um, amongst, like, obviously people who have mental health issues, so doing as much as you can to mitigate those effects on these platforms is the right move. And I don't really see how this blurring could hurt anybody in a negative way. So I'm yeah. glad that they did it. Yeah. It's a good, uh, good business decision and a good moral decision. Yep. Okay. So the last story here, this could almost be its own deep dive talking about cryptocurrency exchanges and, uh, <laughs> yeah. the crazy stuff that's happened to them over the last couple of years. But this is one of the more absurd ones I've heard. Um, so around $190 million was lost this last week when the founder of the largest Canadian cryptocurrency exchange died in India. Um, so the way that this happened was that this exchange named, um, Quadria, the largest exchange in Canada, what they did was, and my understanding is that this company did not have a lot of employees. It was primarily run by just this founder. And so one of their strategies, one of their security measures was to store a large amount of the exchange's assets in what's called cold storage wallets. And what these wallets were, were um, wallets that were completely disconnected from the internet, but they held like the, the representation of the coins. And so there was around $190 million in this cold storage. Um, and this cold storage was held on the founder's laptop. So... Basically, you can think of it as he's carrying around $190 million in cash in that laptop because if that laptop gets destroyed, so do all those coins. (laughs) So this is obviously really dumb, but for the crypto world, that's, I don't know, that wouldn't be a story in and of itself. What makes it a story is the fact that what happened uh, this past week was he went over to India and died for what they're calling uh, Crohn's disease-related complications. And so um, basically what happened was he, he passed away his wife has his laptop and she's hired security researchers and a bunch of stuff, but he used very strong state-of-the-art encryption on his disk and strong state-of-the-art encryption on these wallets. And his wife's been looking and no one's able to find the passwords to these things. And it's just kind of a whole mess because no one can access these funds and these funds belong to the exchange and they have a use. Their use is to provide liquidity and to let people cash out of the exchange. So there's a bunch of, um, users on the exchange that aren't able to get their money back out of it so there's um hundreds of millions of dollars of assets that are no longer able to be reclaimed so obviously there's a suit going against the company and they're gonna have to liquidate a lot of their assets and probably go bankrupt in order to try to pay back customers i'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen like the crypto version of the fdic uh insuring policies go into effect yet um because things like this can happen, and you don't want to lose that much money that fast. Um, and if the company were able to have some sort of insurance on all of that, uh, 
they would it would still be a really bad thing, but they wouldn't go under and have to dissolve a company. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely showing some of the benefits of traditional uh, financial institutions is that stuff like this is unthinkable at a real stock exchange. Like, yeah, even the the idea of a cold wallet would be crazy, like something that is tied to one physical device with no backups. Like, yeah, that's absolutely wild. Um, but the story really takes a turn when the Reddit users started talking about conspiracy theories. Oh. So what happened was this guy left for India um, on a trip where I read that he was going to work on an orphanage um, to kind of like uh, volunteer work. And so what he did right before he left was he got his affairs in order and made his will. So how often do people not only kind of get your affairs in order before going on a big trip, you know, that alone isn't crazy, but the fact that he got his affairs in order before he went on this trip to India and didn't think about the yeah. possibility of something happening. You know, he's sitting there thinking about he's dying if yeah. he's writing out this will. He doesn't think about, oh, what should I do with the hundreds of millions of dollars of assets in my company? That I only have the password to. That had to cross his mind. Yeah. So, and on top of this, there's all the talk about how it's much easier to get a fake death certificate and new identity in India. You know, that kind of stuff would cost hundreds of dollars versus the hundreds of millions that he would have. And so people are saying that, well, he should have made a backup to his funds. If he was already planning on doing something more out of the ordinary, he should have had a contingency plan. And people are thinking that there might be something behind the scenes, like maybe he owes someone a lot of money. Um, maybe there were some underlying issues in the company and it doesn't have as much money as it said he has. And this is him escaping. You know, he could have just went to India, got a new identity, left. He could be anywhere um, and he could still have access to this money. And kind of the idea of a cold wallet is it's so detached from the rest of the internet that not a lot of people could really, well, really like nobody can see the contents of the wallet or what's going on in it like you can on a normal wallet. But people on Reddit are claiming that they can see one of the wallets that um, was claimed to be owned by this guy. And they're saying that a couple days ago, or like yesterday, a couple days after he was reported dead, you can see some, some transactions occurring with the, uh, oh, the wallet's okay. identification on it. So uh, there's definitely conspiracy theories brewing and I will be anxiously awaiting follow-up to see yeah. how this ends up playing out, whether the, the Reddit conspiracy theories die down. Obviously there's some investigators like, like there's some, yeah. some legal teams looking heavily into what's occurred here with all this money at stake. But I don't know. I'll be curious to see how this plays out. I'm a big fan of that theory. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I want to believe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that somebody America right now, with that's something you could dollars. do in, uh, in a movie. You could make a movie about this guy faking his own death and moving to Argentina or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right, well, that's all we have for the news, so we're going to take a quick break and then come back with our main topic. And we're back. Our, uh, our deep dive today hits a little bit close to home because it involves um, not only one of the biggest content creators in the podcast space, but also the platform that you are hearing this podcast on right now, Anchor. Yes, um, Anchor is awesome. I produce the podcast, and I cannot tell you how amazing Anchor is. This isn't even an ad for Anchor. This is just, I really appreciate what Anchor does for us, and they're a great company. Yeah, you probably just listened to an ad from Anchor, but um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, so Spotify agreed with us on our opinions with Anchor because they just acquired them along with Gimlet Media just today. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just announced today, so we have some hot news here. And this is kind of an exciting moment personally for me because I listen to a lot of podcasts where this type of stuff will be talked about. And none of those podcasts have came out today. So I get to kind of 
formulate my own opinions and then see how they compare to all these people I listen to. Yeah, um, we didn't actually have a topic going into today on what we were going to talk about. Uh, I just looked at the notes at it had a bunch of news. Uh, and then I texted Jacob and I'm like, oh my God, did you see that Spotify bought Anchor? Yeah. He's like, check the notes. And so we're talking about this and I'm very excited. Yeah, so... Um... First, I'm going to kind of give a little context and kind of go through the history of podcasts a little bit, because if you're just kind of listening to the show, you might not know why this is such a big deal for the industry. Um, so to get started, podcasts really took off um, in 2005 when iTunes launched native support for podcasts. And for those of you who don't know, the way podcasts work is it's built around this distributing protocol called RSS. And basically what that is, is it's a method that you can use um, to publish uh, a list of posts. And so it was first used for like blogs. And then the way it works is you have a podcast or RSS client that then goes and checks all the URLs and gets the list of posts. And for a podcast player, will like show you the new ones that you haven't already listened to. And so these URLs that they're checking are owned by all of the creators of the shows. So like, um, until Anchor and a lot of other platforms came around, you would kind of host your blog or now your podcast um, on your own server, and then people would, um, people's uh, readers or podcast clients would talk to your server to get the episode. So when you go to the Apple Podcast app and you look at the list of podcasts, it's not like music where Apple is hosting the files for those podcasts, it's actually just a directory that um, points to all these external URLs where podcasts are hosted. So that might kind of sound like I'm getting into the weeds here, but it'll come back later in the fact that um, podcasts have mostly existed as a pretty free and distributed medium, and there hasn't really been one main controller of it other than the iTunes search index, which has pretty much been the source of like, if you want to search for podcasts, that's where you go, but they don't own all the content. Yeah, so as a result of its distributed nature, um, the ad tracking that we've seen has been pretty minor up until the last year or so. So basically, even with our ads right now on Anchor, what the publisher is able to see and what we get paid based off of is the amount of downloads. So if your podcast reader is automatically downloading episodes, then that counts as a play for us and that counts as an ad listen and we get paid based on that. Mm -hmm. It does not account for the fact that um, you might have only listened to the first second or you might have just downloaded it and then deleted it because the only thing that Anchor can see is how many times the audio file that they're hosting has been downloaded. And it's the same thing for a bunch of other sources. Um, unless you're controlling both the um, host of the podcast file and the downloader that is downloading the file, you're really limited in terms of what you can see. You can only see um, what downloads occurred and like what their IP address is. So in the last few years, we've seen a couple of um, advancements in the advertising agency as, you know, obviously with stuff like YouTube and Facebook advertising, um, the advertising is just on a completely other level compared to what you're able to do with podcasts. You know, you can target people in specific cities that match specific demographics, and it's completely different other than I am going to give you the hoster of this podcast file money based on how many downloads you get, or maybe just based on a flat rate. Um, and so there's been some push by some of the more established podcasting producers like Gimlet and some of NPR and then some of the 
more um, industry-related uh, podcast players like Snitcher or Stitcher to get more data into these podcasts. And these moves have been largely unsuccessful. So some of the things that we've started to see over the last few years in this area are dynamically inserted ads. And that's actually what we have on the show. Um, none of, I, have, I don't personally see a lot of these advancements as negative things for the podcast listener, um, but it's kind of things going more the way of YouTube and that sort of thing. So like with dynamic ads, um, they can get your IP address and see where you're located at. Um, and so based on that, they could give you more local ads. So like, let's say you're listening to a big podcast, like an NPR one. Um, if Joe Schmo's, uh, car dealership down the street wants to buy a podcast ad with NPR, they could say, I want to buy stuff in this city. And so when you go to download that from NPR, they'll dynamically create the file with the ads inserted in it and give it to you based on your IP address. So that happens to a lesser extent with our ads where, um, Anchor has a certain number of ads that we can that we can run. So like, um, for example, Flipboard gives us so many ads that we can run and says, we'll pay you this amount. And then Anchor decides when you download it, which ads they're going to put in. But it doesn't really have anything to do with where you're located or any other advanced statistics. Yeah. Um, at the moment, it just, pay, it just plays the ad that makes us the most money. Yep. Which is why you've probably heard Flipboard ads for the last three months. Um, <laughs> They did increase it from one to three possible ads. We're probably just going to stick at one ad per uh, per show. But um, yeah, podcast ads are like one of the biggest emerging advertising platforms ever. Like it just, they pay so much better than most ads. And it's really crazy because a small podcast like us can get a really high or at least decent CPM advertisement, which is cost per uh, thousand listens. Um, so they pay us a certain amount of money per number of listens that we get. And so they are giving us a really good rate, uh, as beginner new small time podcasters. So you can only imagine how much money these large networks are making. Yeah. And so a lot of podcasts that I listen to, they negotiate their ad deals independently. So like, for example, uh, ATP, you buy ads directly through them. And it's like maybe like 500 bucks or something like that. So they get good deals out of that. And then um, there's networks. So like Relay FM is one, uh, Gimlet was one, where all of these podcasts are under one, the umbrella of one company. And that company negotiates the advertising deals for the individual podcasts. And so something like Anchor, where anyone can sign up and then get this ad at a flat rate, is great for people like us because then we don't have to spend time talking to podcast advertisers or um, kind of having to join a network in order to get some of these benefits. Yeah. So that's been really great for us. The other big step up in advertising we've seen is um, as a result of a lot of this talk, Apple has actually improved some of the podcast analytics that they're getting. So um, in the past, they kind of just did downloads like you're able to see if you're a host. But the advantage that Apple has is they are also the most popular podcast player the iTunes podcast. So they do control a large percentages of the clients and the downloads. So, well, they don't control the downloads, but they control the index where you search for the downloads so they can see the downloads as well. So they kind of have, they're in the best position to view both sides of things as it stands. And thankfully um, for some people, they're, they're Apple about it and they're not doing anything crazy. Like they're not um, tracking maybe when you stop listening or that sort of thing. They um, are, they've, they've made it much more limited um, and they're not like, like you're not gonna hear 
an ad targeted to you because you're a 21 year old male in an urban area, like, like you would on Facebook, like the, or like, you're not going to get advertised like about something you bought on Amazon. Cause Apple's not really bringing their ads into that whole ecosystem. They're keeping it a little separate and they've given more data that some people think is still too little. Some people still want full blown Facebook ad tracking on podcasts. Um, but I think that they made a really smart decision in just giving you more visibility into like, are people actually listening to these ads? And with the way that the um, podcast industry is set up, um, people are still kind of relying on just the pure download numbers because it's still spread out across like, oh, you also have Google's podcast player if you're yeah. on Android. Um, you have third-party players um, like Pocket Cast and Overcast, the one I use, so... The next big event in the podcast storyline was earlier this year when NPR launched a new podcast advertising standard standard called RAD. And so RAD is R-A-D, um, and basically it's a step up from what Apple implemented. You can see a lot more information about um, the user, a lot more tracking, um, which is something that... Uh, advertisers, like some advertisers may be asking for, but the amount of podcast advertisers we're seeing happily use the current system kind of shows that this stuff might not be super necessary. You know, we might not have to go the way of Google and uh, do all this YouTube, like crazy real-time tracking. Okay, but anyways, what Rad has been doing is the fact that they're tied to NPR um, means that they get to be an NPR's player NPR's player is fairly popular. NPR is one of the biggest producers of podcasts. And so um, NPR hasn't really strong-armed anybody else into using it because, like I said, like the podcast player market's pretty distributed and no one else is really going along with this. So it kind of seemed like it was dead in the water. And so now we are going to enter this week when Anchor buys both... Or I mean, when Spotify buys both Anchor and Gimlet. So... A little history on Spotify's uh, podcast market. They had acquired two shows before as exclusive shows, but these shows were smaller, nowhere near $200 million acquisition like um, it was rumored that Gimlet is. And these two different acquisitions kind of tell us two different things. Um, first of all, Gimlet is a highly successful podcast network. Uh, it kind of stems out of the... Um, the Ira Glass, This American Life family, that kind of first popularized podcast. The founder of Gimlet Media was named Alex Bloomberg. He um, was a producer for This American Life. It was founded in 2014. They took on a lot of VC investment, which kind of shows why they needed a big exit like this. Um, the, fir the first podcast that they made was a podcast called Startup. That was a story about making the company itself, huh. which I thought was really interesting. It's actually one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Um, but they there's three podcasts... Uh, that I still listen to. Um, one's called The Pitch, which is kind of like Shark Tank. One's called Reply All, which is a really good like uh, internet culture talk show. And then the other one's called The Habitat, which was a social experiment where they simulated people being on a Martian landscape by putting them out on top of a plateau in a desert. Hmm. Anyways, um, basically this acquisition of Gimlet is a move that um, we've seen a lot of these types of moves in the video streaming industry, but nothing as big as this has even come close to happening in the podca podcast industry. So what this looks like is Spotify is kind of gearing up for a proprietary content war, you know, like how Netflix 
um, started investing heavily in original content. This is Spotify's first move to say, we want to get our own original content that will make you use our platform and our client, the Spotify app, and will um, kind of give them that full end-to-end control over the podcast experience. And with that, they can take the advertising to a whole nother level in the way that they already do with their music and give producers a lot more data. For their existing shows, they're saying that the distribution um, methods of those shows won't change, so I'll still be able to listen to Reply All in the podcast player that I do. It's not like I'm going to have to um, buy Spotify Premium, but what I'm assuming they're going to do is start to launch new shows that are only available to premium subscribers or are heavily advertised, um, push them on their existing user base of a bunch of music lovers, and um, kind of get people talking about them. You know, if they can have their own equivalent of a Stranger Things in podcast form, yeah, then that could be another thing that drives um, subscribers over to Spotify over Apple Music. Yeah, I mean, Spotify has so much information on what we listen to. It's insane. Um, it's really awesome to look through like what they recommend to me because of what I've listened to before. And I'm interested to see if there will be any sort of research that connects your music listening habits to your interests in podcasts because I I don't think those are completely related but I think they might be able to get something out of it at least um and it this is very similar to Google buying YouTube right like Google bought YouTube which then kind of made the uh online video posting uh, this huge thing. Are you talking more on the anchor acquisition? Yeah, this is more on the anchor acquisition. Um, but it also makes it so that it may be that Spotify is the only place that you can access certain podcasts. Um, so yeah, so that that Spotify original podcasts will definitely be becoming a thing. Yeah. And so does this mean that? Apple has to step up their game, get Apple Music original podcasts, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. Does this become a content wars like Hulu versus HBO versus Netflix? I'm thinking it definitely will be. Um, and I think that's because once it starts, you know, once someone sees that first big successful show, because um, I know Gimlet's capable of creating something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've proven it, uh, that they're capable of delivering hits. If they can do that for Spotify, which I think that they will... I think it'll cause podcasters to say, oh, well, like I, I already have a music streaming service. I like to listen to podcasts. So why don't I just go over to Spotify? I can listen to all the podcasts I listen to in the Spotify app. Um, and I can get this new content as well. And I think Gimlet will have their first show out before anybody really is able to, uh, combat, combat like this move by Spotify. Like, yeah, I don't think Apple's set up to do any sort of like podcast within Apple music thing right now. Yeah. And I mean, it takes a long time to plan a really good podcast, but it doesn't take nearly as much time to make it as it does a TV show. Or oh, a movie. for sure. Yeah. Um, so this could all move very quickly. Yeah. I, I think this could be something that moves. So right now I have podcasts on my home bar and then Spotify on my first page of apps. I think this is a move that could switch those two apps on my phone. I mean, if you're listening to all of your podcasts in Spotify, like you don't really even need the the Apple podcast. And if you're listening to a podcast that's produced by Spotify, then Spotify sees the hosting side of things and the client side of things. So they're able to give a lot more data to advertisers, um, like I've been talking about. So I think that this will be big. And the thing that makes it even more big is their acquisition of Anchor. So they 
when they were taught when Spotify was talking about anchor in their letter to investors, they called it the company leading the market for podcast creation. Uh, and this is pretty justified. Um, in anchors blog post about all this, they said that more than 40% of all new podcasts are created using anchor. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we're a testimony to that. Um, it is literally like YouTube versus the days before YouTube, like you were saying. Yeah, like it is, it's so much easier to make a podcast. Yeah, it is an entire another level of ease. Really, anyone can do it, and I think that's why 2018 was quoted as the year everyone started a podcast. Uh, Just us. like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what uh, the Spotify founder said that his goal with acquiring Anchor was is to give it superpowers. So obviously they believe that the information that they have, the tools and the data that they have available will be able to um, accelerate Anchor's growth. One of the things that the Anchor founders made very clear was that um, the Anchor platform will remain separate from the Spotify app. So um, you won't have to listen to our show through Spotify. They're, one of their main values is their distribution of podcasts. So yeah. it kind of kill the whole reason behind the app if you could only yeah. listen to there would be no reason to use anchor specifically mm-hmm. especially when you can still use like podbean or some other um rss posting service yep so what i want to happen out of this is one for us to start getting better sponsors because obviously spotify knows a thing or two about getting sponsors on yeah. audio content <laughs> uh i don't want you guys to have to listen to flipboard every single episode I'm hoping that eventually um, we'll start to see to, the results of this. Yeah, might be able to just use your targeted Spotify ads. Um, yeah. I don't know if uh, if they'll do it. So if you have premium, you don't have to listen to ads on Anchor. Podcasts. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll unless you're listening. So unless you were listening to it in the Spotify client. Yeah. Then there's no way that they could know whether you're listening to it. Yeah. So maybe they'll be able to cut it out on the Spotify client or something like that. I think that would be a big push. But I don't think we'd see anything like that for some time. No. Um, another thing that I want to see pay off in the future is um, now that Spotify or now that Anchor is a part of Spotify, I want to see them reap some of the HR benefits, get a lot more engineering talent in the door, and start working on some of these features where we can see how much it would benefit us to have them. But it just doesn't feel like Anchor is had the um the size or the capacity to produce like yeah. for example why like if anchor has some of these tools to like record the podcast from the app and do some minor editing i want them now to be able to go all the way to where our entire show process can be we record the podcast straight from anchor and they've got a pretty good editing side of things so that you can edit the podcast together and it includes some of the nicer things that you can get in podcasts like chapter markers so yeah. Uh, and some of the podcasts I listen to, you can add chapter markers where um, if you look at them, you can see like, oh, um, here are the names of the different topics they talk about. I want to click. So like you could see when we get into the main topic, click on the main topic. We already have these things split into segments. It would be so yeah. easy for us to use an Anchor app and have them automatically integrate all this stuff. And when you listen on the actual Anchor player, it will tell you which part you're on. Yeah, um, but like not a lot of people listen on the Anchor player and there's that, no yeah. reason that shouldn't go out in the RSS feed. So it's absolutely true. I just think that there are a lot of obvious little things that Anchor can add and I'm hoping that they agreed to this acquisition because they want that ability to add them and they see this as superpowering their app. What I don't want this to become is that um, they say they're going to remain independent and all this stuff, but a year from now, the Anchor app doesn't exist and we, like people, like it gets folded into the Spotify app and you can post apps or you can post podcasts on Spotify, but they don't leave Spotify. It's all tied into Spotify premium. All this stuff is stuff I don't want. I want this to be able to... 
uh, kind of remain in the distributed way that it is so that everyone's able to access all the contents that's being produced and there's kind of not this crazy advertising um, and targeting and privacy stuff that we're seeing in all the other online advertising yeah. industries. I, I think Spotify is a smart enough company that they will keep it free and open and also it gives them leverage over Apple, which is something that they will always take. Yep. I mean, one of the crazy things is we haven't seen Spotify ever acquire anything this big. Like, yeah. they haven't had a big acquisition in years. It's always, will will Spotify be acquired? Yeah. So this was, I don't know, this was definitely crazy. Um, they did it right before their earnings call. So I think they definitely thought it would have a positive impact on the market's perception of them. Um, and so, I don't know. This is a huge move for the podcast industry. And I think we won't get to see how it plays out until we see how this integration between the three companies starts to go. But one thing I'm definitely bet on, betting on is the beginning of like the podcasting content wars over yes. the next few years. I'm excited for that. As a podcaster, it's really cool to see other people like... Because not everybody can be a filmmaker. Not everybody can be an actor in a Netflix show or a Hulu show. But um, we're going to get to see a lot of really awesome people doing something that we do at a really high level for really big companies. Um, and I'm just incredibly excited to see That's an interesting take on it. Because I guess my, when I think content wars, I think like, oh, this is annoying. Like, I'm going to have to pay for different services if I want to see different shows. But that's another angle is that like, we're seeing all this money coming into podcasting. Um, Maybe this original content is just going to be like so fueled by that money and it'll produce some crazy good output like the Netflix originals that maybe wouldn't have existed without this competition. Yeah, because it's it's very strange because it's like you're mixing Netflix with YouTube because you have that gimlet, which is like the Netflix, Mm -hmm. which can be Spotify originals. But then you also have the YouTube, which is Anchor. So it's like they just got both the the high quality um, original content production as well as the service that a lot of people use. market. Yes. And uh, they got both. So it's like if Google had bought Netflix and YouTube at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's like if Google bought YouTube and then also bought, like, um, Marvel Studios before yeah, it was acquired by Disney. Exactly. So that Marvel could only produce... Or so that Marvel would start producing original content for YouTube. Yeah. It's... I don't know. Uh, I We're going to see some changes. Um, and I don't think they'll affect this show at all. But I definitely think we'll start to see some more big-budget shows uh, in the vein of, like, a lot of the true crime podcasts that we've been seeing over the last year. Yeah. I don't get into a lot of those podcasts. I don't really think this is going to affect much of the shows I listen to, um, at least not in the short term, but I think it could affect some shows that don't exist yet and yeah. I might listen to in the future. It'll be interesting because I, I see like this revolution of content creation by um, smaller time uh, podcasters, kind of like SoundCloud rappers, but for podcasts because it's going to be even easier to uh make podcasts on anchor with all of that spotify engineering help that they get yeah so i guess i kind of want more of your thoughts on this transition from you can only see how many downloads your podcast has to you get all of this extra data and like some of the positive um benefits that we could get like we could start to see when people stop listening to the show like maybe we need to do shorter news segments because we see people drop off halfway into news segments yeah which isn't information that we have right now but also there's the privacy angle that 
a lot of people are caring less and less about. So I guess I'm just kind of wondering where you stand. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I check our metrics quite a bit on Anchor, but they only really tell us how many plays we have. Um, just plays per episode. Yep, that's um, all you can get. Yeah, but we have actually been doing really well recently. Um, last month, we hit 1,000 plays in the month for the first time. And so far, today we're recording on February 6th. Um, in in the first six days of February, we have as many plays as we had throughout the month of November. That's crazy. Yeah. So we've uh, been growing like exponentially in the last few months, but I don't really know what that means because it just tells me a bunch of numbers on... Um, Are they like quality listens? You yeah, know, like... I don't know. Um, especially since the, the ad money doesn't quite line up um, with that. So I'm interested to see basically how many of these hits are like uh, just RSS scanning where it yep. pulls it and then it counts that as a play versus um, actual quality listens. Uh, it would be really great if you guys would hit us up on Twitter at HackersPod. Send us an email on uh, Gmail. We have an email which is hackerslackerpod at gmail.com. So just tell us uh, like how long you've been listening. Uh, give us any input that you feel uh, you would like to have on the show we're definitely willing to make this whole show malleable it malleable it has been since the very beginning um and your input always helps yeah and just along with that side tangent we've been trying to think of ways to promote the show and grow the audience because we've seen this growth but it's kind of hard to quantify like where it's going you know and mm -hmm. i want to see this growth you know continue on a really good trajectory so that eventually we you know we can start to feel even better about these numbers that we're getting um and so it's been it's been tough trying to figure out like what steps we need to take to promote it and obviously we're both extremely busy with other things um and it, it'll take more than us just sitting down and talking for an hour to kind of make this show grow so yeah be on the lookout for stuff in the near future. Uh, we've been talking about maybe doing giveaways, um, trying to get some better guests um, to uh, increase our promotion. Um, so we're, we're definitely still thinking about that sort of thing. But I don't know. I've Back to the, the advertising and analytics side of things, I've always just leaned towards like, oh, less data is good because privacy reasons. But now that I'm kind of on the creator side of things, I... I'm kind of unsure of how I feel about it because I do think we would benefit from seeing more data about um, when people are dropping off, listening Absolutely. to our ads, you know. I'd even like to see what cities we're getting downloads from. Yeah, uh, that's one of my biggest things is I really want to see where we're spreading to because yeah. I know that we have quite a few listeners here in the Midwest, um, here and around Lincoln and Kansas City, mm -hmm. um, my parents are in the Midwest. My family's in the Midwest. Those I know some people that listen to it, but I haven't really heard from anybody outside of the Midwest that listens to it besides um, people that we've interviewed. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is doable on Apple's platform right now. Anchor just hasn't built that in, so I'm hoping that we'll see some of those more uh, standard data that we're able to see um, in, the, in the next coming months, like after this big acquisition. But um, I don't know. I think... There's definitely, like, always been pros and cons to giving up more information. I don't see a whole ton of cons in terms of um, this ad personalization side of things, you know? There's oh, yeah. been a push on the internet over the last year to say, like, oh, these targeted ads aren't actually any more effective than just the normal ads that we all used to run. 
but um, I think that the jury's definitely out on whether that's true or not. It's just kind of been this undertone around the negativity about all of this like privacy we're giving up, especially with the recent scandals. So I don't know. It's definitely something to think about um, whether like how much information you're comfortable giving up for um, how much like that information could benefit us in producing the show. Absolutely. Um, especially if we could know like what our target audience is for ads. If we could go out, if we ever choose to go out and try to find our own advertisers besides just the ones that anchor yeah. provides to us, um, being able to know what our audience likes is super important and know those demographics is super important. It's just like really any sort of content creation you want to know who is consuming that content so you can kind of tailor it to them. Yeah, so I'll definitely have more um, follow-up next week about how the industry reacted and a lot of podcasters reacted to um, this couple of acquisitions, but that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, I think it's an exciting time to be in podcasts, even if uh, we're not unique in starting one. Yeah, Um we are definitely a uh, startup type podcast. Uh, we are in Jacob's room, just kind of recording on my laptop and reading our notes, uh, getting through the school week. But it's something that's really fun. Um, we both actually just came back from a basketball game that was uh, kind of sad loss for uh, for our university. Our six kind of sad loss in a row. Yeah, it was. It's been pretty bad, but uh, get to come back, report, record the podcast, and. It, feels good to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I always love talking tech with you, um, and it's been a very good kind of outlet for me to put all this information that I take into good use. So uh, we're definitely not planning on stopping anytime soon, and we've been doing a lot of thinking on how we can improve the show and how yeah. we can grow the show. So definitely stay tuned. Um, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. So like we said, hit us up if you want to talk. Um, we would love to talk to any of you. We really want to know about uh, who you are. Tell us your story. Tell us why you started listening. Tell us what your favorite part is. Tell us what your least favorite part is. Like I said, you can get to us on Twitter at HackersPod. You can send us an email at HackerSlackerPod at gmail.com. We will respond to anything. Um, we are really excited to see how much this podcast can grow, and we're only going to do it with the support of you guys. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.